0: was uh, such a special time of worship amen thank you to everybody for using your gifts and talents abilities for the glory of god uh i know he is pleased by that and i appreciate everybody using those varied gifts and you know that's part of the beauty of the makeup of the body of christ right we all have different talents different gifts but we are we are a wonderful blend of div- diversity there's unity and diversity um I was a couple of years ago. I found an article uh, about gift wrapping, uh, which is not uncommon this time of year, right? Suggestions and, and things of that nature. And, and a website, uh, fastcoastdesign.com, put out Secrets of a Professional Gift Wrapper How to Wrap Your Gifts Like a Professional. Um, i i don 't think even if I were trained to do that, I would be able to do that i 'm not a good rapper, but you know those people who are right who just have the the natural ability to rap gifts and make it look good and they They talked about wrapping presents in uh, pretty paper when you think about it that 's kind of a weird tradition um, it 's something that we do uh, and we 've all done for our whole lives but it's it 's kind of a strange tradition that we have there. It was popularized in the United States in 1917 by the Hall's brothers. Does that name sound familiar? Hall, Hallmark, right? The Hall's brothers. It was popularized in, by them in 1917. I think we probably think all oh, it's been that way for you know hundreds of years. Well, um, just a little over a hundred years, um, and so. Uh, they they popularize now it's like a the latest figure I could find it's a it's about a seven billion dollar industry in the United States alone. Gift wrapping uh, that's how popular it is. But professional wrappers, if you want to wrap your gift properly, they give us some tips. okay? This is just you know little information for you to take with you, okay? If you want to wrap it just right, here are some tips. First, choose high quality supplies, okay sharp scissors, sheets of paper instead of rolls, Um, more expensive, right? Uh, Thicker paper, matte instead of glossy paper. Evidently that helps. Next, use double-sided tape if you you don't want to see the tape, all right, so that you don't. I I don't have that kind of time, all right, or patience. (laughs) I'm sorry. Miss all I can do to work the roll and, you know, but that's a tip. They say use a box or a clear bag if you must. They say using a bag is just the easy way out. Well color me the easy way out person, okay? I but they say if you really want to do it right, use use real wrapping paper, nice sheets, thick, don't use if you if you use a box, use a box or a clear bag if you must. I mean you gotta put some tissue paper in there, right, to make it a surprise, but you know, so you hide it. There's a lot of time, effort, and money into that, isn't there? $7 billion industry. And if you're going to do what they say, I mean, you'll spend as much on wrapping paper materials as you do the present itself. (laughs) a lot of effort involved. I'd be the first to admit I, I I don't have that kind of endurance when it comes to wrapping paper. But we want. Why? Why is this so important? Think about it. Why do we put so much thought into wrapping paper and different things like that, and making the gift look nice? Well, we want it to be memorable, don't we? We want it to be perfect. I mean, we all have in our minds this idea of the perfect Christmas, and we want the presents even to represent that. We want it to be perfect in every way in the presentation of the gift, the surprise, all of that. And many times when it doesn't turn out perfect, you know, we're putting all this money into something that's going to end up in a wad of paper on the floor after it's all said and done. And then if the people we give the gift to aren't fully satisfied, then we're not fully satisfied. Because I can't think of any Christmas I've ever had that was perfect in terms of Gift giving and receiving gifts. And when that happens, when it's not perfect, we're left dissatisfied. Let me ask you a question this morning, not just with giving gifts and wrapping gifts and presenting gifts, but with Christmas itself. Are you satisfied this Christmas season? Are you deeply and truly satisfied in your life this Christmas? A lot of that depends on where your focus is. So before we start, let's just kind of zero in on where I think our focus needs to be. We need to focus on what really matters, Jesus' birth and his mission on earth. And then we need to hold loosely the things that are temporary, the things of this world, like gifts. I love gifts. I can't wait to get, I know, I think most of mine, not all of mine, probably no more than I should. <laughs> Mandy always finds out her gifts. We just gave up surprising her. I can't wait to get some of them. I love getting gifts. I love playing with new toys. I just turned 45. I still get toys and love to play with them, all right? But we got to hold those things in the right perspective and focus on what really matters when it comes to not just Christmas, but everything. Think about the songs that we hear on the radio uh, this time of year. They, They are reminders that Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. One of the songs. It's the most wonderful time of the year right? Uh, Have a holly jolly Christmas. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I've never done that, but I know it's a song and it's supposed to make you happy when you do that. It (laughs) smells good. Walking in a winter wonderland. All of these things communicate loud and clear that Christmas is supposed to be filled with joy and happiness, gladness. A a trouble-free season even is the idea that's presented in these messages. But let me ask you honestly, is that what you're experiencing this season? A trouble-free existence? A trouble-free life? Is it truly the most wonderful time of the year for you? For some of you, maybe. You know, I love the Christmas season. I love the traditions. I love all the things that we do. But for some of you, there are personal problems that you're experiencing. For some of you, there's sickness. For some of you, it's the loss of a loved one. That you've experienced. For some of you, maybe it's uh, any number of trials, family problems. You know, any number of things that's keeping you. Maybe it's just that you, you know, you should feel good, but you don't, and you don't even know why. You're not filled with joy, you're not satisfied, you're not happy, and there's no one particular thing that you can point to, but there's it's just not clicking for you this year. You're not enjoying this time of year the way that you should, and there are interruptions that come into play, right? Your car gets broken into, or <laughs> I can pick on summer but or you know you run into a ditch or you break down or I mean these are things that have just happened this week with some folks okay all right or you know any number of things your refrigerator goes out or or another appliance breaks or or something happens unexpected I mean who knows any number of interruptions that you may face that cause distraction and it's left you unsatisfied Some of you are so busy working hard that it's hard to find time to enjoy Christmas. Maybe there's not, again, anything wrong, but it's just not satisfying. It's not providing you with the emotional lift that maybe it normally does. You're not enjoying it like you have in years past. It doesn't feel like a winter wonderland, and you certainly don't feel like roasting chestnuts on an open fire. Disillusionment at Christmas is nothing new. Okay? I mean, it's nothing out of the ordinary. Everybody's experienced it, and here's part of the reason we get so hyped up with expectations about what Christmas is supposed to be that often the real thing doesn't measure up, and we're disappointed. Our expectations are up here, and what it's all to be about, our focus is off, and it doesn't measure up. So... What can you do this Christmas to avoid that? How can we be satisfied? Well, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 2 and we're going to see from the story of the wise men how to get our focus right, how to find true satisfaction, what we should be focused on this time of year. They, These wise men, they refer to a group of scholars who studied the stars. They were in the east, most likely Persia, and they, they saw a star in the heavens that indicated the birth of the new king, so they set out, right? They set out to find this new king. And they want to honor him, so they they are are bringing gifts. They set out on this long, dangerous journey to find the new king, and we see in Matthew 2, uh, verses 1 through 12, uh, how they got there. Verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, "'Wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, "'saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? "'For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. "'When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, "'and all Jerusalem with him. "'So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people "'and asked them where the Messiah would be born. "'In Bethlehem of Judea,' they told him, "'because this is what was written by the prophet. "'And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, "'are by no means least among the leaders of Judah.' because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and, exact, and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He s- sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I can go worship him. Yeah, right. After hearing the king, they went out on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came, they came, came to, and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So from the attitudes of these wise men, we will see, and the events surrounding it, we're going to see how we can raise our level of joy this Christmas, how we can find satisfaction this Christmas. There are lessons we can learn from this story. The first one is this, your level of joy at Christmas is directly related to what it is that you seek. What is it that you're seeking? This Christmas because that's what you seek will determine the joy that you get. Where are you looking for satisfaction? What is it that I want to get out of Christmas this year? Will it be the house filled with family? Will it be the right gift? Will it be the end of a pandemic? Will it be something else? Fill in the blank. What is it that you're seeking? What is it in your mind? How do you answer that question? This Christmas will be great if blank happens or if I get blank. And what is it that you're wanting, that you're seeking this Christmas? The problem with all of the things that I just mentioned, family, you know, health and welfare, um, the right present, the problem with all of those things is they have the potential of leaving you disappointed, regardless of, because I've never been to a family gathering that worked out perfectly, Okay. <laughs> I've never gotten a present that was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Great presents, but there's always something you don't expect, right? I mean, those things will leave us disappointed. And and I'm sure we've all had those Christmases where we wanted something, we've been waiting for it for a long time, and we got it, and then we realized, I mean, this is good, but it's not really what I expected, there's a lot here that I didn't know about. You know, there's a lot of trouble involved or it doesn't work exactly the way they presented it on television. You know, there, We've all had that feeling of disappointment because we got our hopes up about something and then come to find out it wasn't really what we thought it was going to be. The problem here is not Christmas. It is our expectations. What we're expecting and where we're looking, we're looking for the wrong thing. And when you look at the wise men, In Matthew chapter 2 with good intentions they initially looked in the wrong place didn't they they knew that a king had been born so where do they go they go to Jerusalem of course human reason says that's exactly where they should go that's where the king would be so they go to Jerusalem verse 2 tells us they came to Jerusalem and said where is he who's been born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him of course, a king would be in Jerusalem in terms of human thinking. They were looking for Jesus. Christmas for them, they, while they may have been looking in the wrong place, they were looking for the right thing, though, no, right? And that's, that's really at the heart of this. They, 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 they went looking for a king. They went looking for Jesus himself. And so Christmas for them was an opportunity to worship Jesus. Now compare the wise men to King Herod and even the priests of the day. The wise men were seeking the king. Herod was opposing the king and the Jewish priests were ignoring the king. Those who had been should have been preparing for his arrival. These priests, they knew the scriptures. They were able to tell the wise men where to find Jesus. They knew the scriptures. They and think about this. They were only a few miles away. They could have gone and seen the Savior, but they didn't bother to make the journey. The wise men came from a long way off. They could tell the wise men where to go, but that in and of itself tells you where their heart was. Herod was filled with jealousy. He knew that this new king was a threat to him. So his heart certainly wasn't in the right place, and we see that later on. But we know that the wise men were looking for Jesus. What are we looking for? What is it that we're seeking this Christmas? Like the wise men, our desire at Christmas should be an experience of worship, a fresh glimpse of Jesus, our Savior. That, that should, if you seek that, you will not be disappointed this Christmas. Psalm 1 to 49, verse 1, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. That's what we need to be doing. If our goal this Christmas is to worship Christ, then I doubt very seriously that we'll be dissatisfied with the result of that, with the experience. Because Matthew 6.33 tells us, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added to you. You will be satisfied. You may not have everything you want. may not have the perfect present, the perfect family gathering, but you'll have what your soul, what your heart desires. So let's follow the instructions of the psalmist in Psalm 100, verse 2 through 4. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So in order to have true joy at Christmas, number one, we need to seek Jesus. Jesus. It's directly related to what we're seeking. So we need to seek Jesus. Number two, another lesson we learned from the wise men is that your level of joy this Christmas is directly related to where you look. Where are you looking? I've already established with good intentions, the wise men went looking in the wrong place. They went to Jerusalem. That's where the king was supposed to be born in terms of human reasoning. They look where their own human reasoning said they should look. The appearance of the star, again in the east we read, it, it announced the birth of a king. So they know that this has happened. So they set out on this journey. They go to the palace of Herod the Great in the capital city of Jerusalem, but, but that was a mistake. I mean, you know, in, in God's grand plan, we see it all work out, but, but still they were looking in the wrong, the wrong place. They didn't go to the to the correct place. When Herod heard about the birth of the new king, he was filled with jealousy. He was determined to find, he says, come tell me so I can worship, but we know that his desire is to wipe this new king out. And he goes to great lengths to attempt to accomplish this, but God's bigger than that. He's sovereign over that. He, he's filled with jealousy. He's filled with rage. He wants to destroy this new king. You know, people look for Jesus and claimed to find, find him in all sorts of places. I've, I've kept this story because it, it's so very uh, amusing, but so very telling, I think, of, of human nature. In 1991, uh, Pizza Hut had spaghetti. You know, they got pasta and stuff now, but they had spaghetti, and they were running ads about their spaghetti. And this one lady in particular was trying to make a difficult decision. Her name was Joyce Simpson. She was a very good singer. She was trying to make a decision of whether or not she should quit the church choir and seek to sing professional, professionally. And She had been struggling with this. She'd been praying about this. So she's driving down the interstate. She sees this huge uh, Pizza Hut billboard with their pizza hanging from a fork. And in that, she claimed that she saw Michelangelo's version of Christ in the spaghetti. So she takes that as a sign that she's supposed to stay in the church choir and not go sing professionally. Here's the interesting thing, though other people saw different things in the fork full of spaghetti. Some people saw the deceased rocker Jim Morrison. Some people saw a muppet, I'm guessing an animal, maybe. And, and other, people, other people looked at the fork full and saw, let's see, Willie Nelson. That was my favorite. Which, you you know, I guess you can kind of see that. But, uh, just, but it depends on what you're looking for, right? I mean, you could see anything. Here's a more recent example, and I got a picture of this that I brought with me. That is a Funyun. Now, what does that look like to you? It looks like Mary holding the baby Jesus. I'll, I'll give them that, okay? If you look hard, and maybe if you squint, I don't know, it's like one of those pictures where you, where you can see. But this, this, this particular guy was in his car, and it was a law clerk from West Virginia who was cleaning out his car, and he found this funion under his seat. <laughs> and immediately he sees Mary and the baby Jesus. Here's the great part, okay? Y'all brace yourself. I don't know how much a bag of Funyuns is. A couple of dollars, right? This funion sold on eBay for $609. <laughs> I got to start searching through my bags of chips for, for some, some interesting pictures. But we look for, 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 we look for Jesus in all sorts of places, right? I mean, we, we look in all the wrong places a lot of times. You know, I guess if you find inspiration in that, that's fine. It may not be something as silly as that, but we do look for satisfaction in places that leave us empty, don't we? You know, we, at Christmas time, whatever the case may be, you know, we look for, even when it's not Christmas, we look for, for joy and things and substances, and jobs, and whatever. Fill in the blank, again. And then we're left feeling empty, or we make a bad decision because we saw Jesus face in a fork full of spaghetti, and then we don't, you know, we, we don't understand why. We, we went the wrong direction. We don't understand why we're left feeling dissatisfied. But the reason is because maybe we're looking in the wrong place. So where are you looking for satisfaction this Christmas? You know, Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And then he goes on, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll, he'll make your path straight. If you want to find direction, if you want to find satisfaction, you got to look in the right place. The wise men were tempted to look for joy. They went to the wrong place. But immediately when they realized where they should have gone, they got back on track. Maybe we think by getting or giving the right gift or being with family, those things that I just mentioned will find joy. You know, you're going to get disappointed. You may not be able to afford the perfect gift for somebody. You may not get what you're expecting. I mean, your your family get-together may resemble some Christmas movie instead of, you know, crazy Christmas movie instead of 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 what you've got pictured in your head, right? I mean, any number of reasons, it could be disappointed. So initially, the wise men looked in the wrong place. They were just using human reason. I mean, you don't want to be too hard on them, but eventually they looked in the right place when they looked to God. So the trip to Jerusalem wasn't a total loss. They got the information they needed. They discovered where they should have looked in the first place. They should have looked in the scriptures. They should have looked in the Bible. The scribes in Jerusalem said that according to the prophet Micah, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. So with this new information, they set out again. They look again at the star and follow it to Bethlehem, and it stood over the house where Jesus was living, was there. And you know, they, they get back on, they find what they're looking for. They get back on the right track. So make sure you're looking in the right place this Christmas Another lesson, your level of joy at Christmas is directly related to what you give. What is it that you're giving this Christmas? The wise men came to Jesus bearing gifts, didn't they? Let's look at those. The gifts they gave were entirely appropriate. They give gold. Gold was a gift fit for a king. They knew it was a new king. So by giving this, they're giving a gift and acknowledging that Jesus is, was and is king. They may not have understood all the significance, but they're acknowledging him as king. They gave frankincense. Frankincense was a gift for a priest. Priests would use frankincense in temple worship. So even if they didn't understand, they were acknowledging that he is the great high priest. Jesus is our priest. He is our mediator between us and God. Perfectly appropriate for this new, new baby, this new king. He would bring us to God, and he has. They give myrrh. Myrrh was a gift for the dead. They would use it, a fragrant ointment. It was used to anoint a body in preparation for burial. Again, maybe they didn't understand, but they they were showing what he was here to do. You know, this new king, this baby would grow up, would live a sinless life. God become flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He would... Go to the cross, take on the sins of the world. He would give his life. No one took it from him. He gave his life for our sins. And so these gifts are perfectly appropriate. And we struggle over that at Christmas, don't we? We struggle over getting the right gift, the perfect gift. And these wise men, boy, they nailed it. They, I mean, they, they nailed it, hit the nail right on the head. In Matthew 121, the angel told, told Joseph, she, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins, and these gifts perfectly illustrate that. So just like the wise men, we should seek to give appropriate gifts this Christmas, shouldn't we? I mean, you know, I'm not talking about material, physical gifts necessarily, although we should give each other gifts. It's a way we show love, and, and it's, it's fun to do. It's fun to give and receive gifts. But, but what are some things, if we really want to find satisfaction, we know we need to seek Jesus. We know we need to look in the right places. We can look in all the wrong places for, for Christ and for, for meaning, for satisfaction. But we also need to make sure we're giving the right gifts in order to find satisfaction. Here's some examples. We should give the gift of love and kindness to friends and family. In that imperfect, crazy family gathering, you can still love on each other, Right? And you can do that for your friends and family. First John 3:16 through 18. John tells us we know that what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love? be in that person. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. So we should give the gift of love. We should give also the gift of our help to those who are hurting. There are people all around us who are hurting, who need help, who may need something this Christmas. Maybe, you know, they've lost a job. Maybe uh, things There's an illness in the family that's taxed them. Maybe there's just a simple need that you're aware of. It may not be anything extravagant, but there's a need that you can meet. Galatians 5.13, Paul says, serve one another in love. And so we show the love of Christ by serving each other. And we can meet each other's needs. Maybe it's the gift of time to disciple someone, to pour into somebody. Maybe that's a commitment you need to make. Or maybe God's placed somebody in your life. That he's calling you to disciple. Maybe it's the gift of forgiveness that you need to give this year. When we think about why Jesus came, right? I mean, he came to pay the price for our sins. And when we think about what we've been forgiven of, we should be willing to forgive in return. Matthew six fourteen through 15, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So looking at these types of gifts, these aren't physical gifts. I mean, I guess they could be. You're meeting needs or you're doing something for someone. There could be physical components to this. But we're really talking about the things that we can do for others that God has placed in our path that show the love of Christ, that reflect why he came, that reflect his mission. You know, we're seeking Jesus and we're seeking to give Jesus to others through our love, through our actions, and our words. Giving these types of gifts will result in joy, satisfaction, and meaning. So what are you giving for Christmas this year? Give yourself, give your time to your family. Give give something that goes beyond a temporary gift that will one day, no matter if it is is the perfect gift in the moment, one day it will wear out right one day it will break one day it will no longer bring you the same excitement and joy that you once had one day it's going to leave you unsatisfied now I know this is Santa Claus but does anybody else know what else this is can you see it pop it everybody that's like the it's the fidget spinner of today right Uh, My younger two have these. They've got little ones. They've got the big ones. And these, they're supposed to to simulate bubble wrap. And I got to tell you, once you start doing it, I mean, there is something oddly satisfying about this. Y'all hear that? I mean, you get going here and it's hard to stop. Y'all just relax for a few minutes. I'm trying to bring my stress level down here. But there is something satisfying about this, isn't there? And that's what it's all about. It's about occupying, you know, your your hands. Same with a fidget spinner. You're just doing something to try to occupy yourself. You're trying to to bring your stress level down. And yeah, I'm still going here. Yeah. It's, It's just too easy, right? There's something in me that makes me say I've got to do all of these or I won't be able to finish my sermon. So I'm going to just keep going. Just a little glimpse into my psyche. But there is something satisfying, and that's what it's about. You know, you give these to your kids so they don't drive you crazy. Here, pop these. Do something. But it's something that's occupying. And y'all are waiting to see if I finish, aren't you? (laughs) Ta-da! I'm done. Thank you, thank you. But now I'm done. And I can do this for a little while, right? I can spin that fidget, fidget spinner. I can occupy my mind. I can do something with my hands. You know, I can do whatever. I can be satisfied in the temporary. And this is just one example of things we do. We do all kinds of stuff to try to find satisfaction. We do all kinds of stuff to try to relieve stress, to take away whatever it is that we're going through, whatever we're struggling with. But you know, you do this enough times and it's going to break. You do it enough times and it's not going to be Is exciting. Eventually, just like everything else, this is going to end up in a trash can. The kids will move on to something else that they argue over. They've had more arguments over poppets the past couple of months, but eventually that won't be the case. It'll be something else. Why? Because it's no longer satisfying. It no longer brings the same thrill. It no longer brings the same joy. Just like everything that we have, So if we're going to find true satisfaction this year, you can search all you want. You know, this is one of the top five gifts this Christmas. You know that? One of the top five that people are buying for their kids. You can go do a Google search for the top five searches of the year. And there's things like Facebook uh, at the top. There's uh, the WhatsApp At the top, lots of social media. Google is one of the top five. I can't, I have a hard time believing they didn't just stick that in there for, (laughs) but that, you know, it's amazing. Every year reflects what's going on in our culture. And why do you think social media is one of the top searches of the year? Because people are craving connection, right? We've been separated. There's, and we rely so much. And this can be a great way to connect, but we're craving connection. It's a reflection of what people's hearts are longing for, and when you boil it all down, they're searching for satisfaction. They're searching for joy. They're searching for meaning in life, and all of these things, as great as they can be, in the end, they will leave you empty. You can search all you want in life, but the only thing that will truly satisfy you is Jesus Christ. Because in the midst of the ups and downs of life, the trials, the challenges, the unexpected, the loss, the pain, the grief, the suffering, in the midst of the craziness of the holidays, the letdowns, when things don't go exactly the way you want, in the midst of all of that, he is faithful, he is constant, and his love is eternal and it is sure. He is our foundation. It's just like the two houses. If you build your life on a shaky foundation of things, possessions, experiences, expectations that leave you unsatisfied, when the storms come, and they will, you're going to crumble. But if you build your life on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ and his word— If you seek him, not just at Christmas, but always, if you pursue him every day of your life, all of that stuff can come, and it will, but you will be left standing on that sure foundation. Doesn't mean you're not going to have a few bumps and bruises and scars along the way. You will, but you will be firm in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's just bottom line this whole thing, all right? When you look For the right thing, the right person, Jesus, and you look in the right places and you commit yourself to giving the right gift, then you will find satisfaction this Christmas. So, have you received the right gift to begin with? That's where you got to start. You got to look in the right place, you got to look in the manger. You got to look at the one and only true Savior and receive the greatest gift you could ever receive. Maybe it's your Christmas gift this Christmas, the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation. And if you will receive Jesus, then you will find satisfaction. If you will pursue Jesus, you will find satisfaction. If you will give yourself to the things that he calls us to give ourselves to, And you will find satisfaction. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of Christmas, the gift of your son. We thank you that you have provided for us the greatest need we could ever have. We were lost in sin, destitute, without hope. The world was in the greatest period of darkness, silence from you. And you broke through. Jesus, you were born. A great light announcing to all who would listen, who would look, that you had entered the sinful existence that we live in. What we could not accomplish ourselves, you came to accomplish You didn't have to. You would be just perfectly justified in not doing so. And just leaving us to pay the price for our own choices, our own sin. But out of love and compassion and grace and mercy, you chose to enter this imperfect existence that we had made imperfect, by the way, to live a life of humility and and yet perfection, and then to voluntarily give your life and to take on our sin, suffering the effects of taking on sin, but also separation from your heavenly Father, Jesus, the relationship that had been perfect, never severed. You chose to allow yourself to be separated, to experience the Father's wrath so that we wouldn't have to. But in doing so, God, In doing so, Jesus, you provided a way for us to be forgiven. You are our substitutionary sacrifice, our atonement. And because of you, we have freedom from sin. But it's a gift like any gift that we have to receive. And I pray, Father, that if there's someone here today who hasn't received that gift, that they would now in this time, in this moment, realize that that gift is for them, that you gave your life so that they could be free from sin, and that they would just cry out to you wherever they are and invite you into their lives. And Father, I pray for those of us who know you, that we would look in the right places this Christmas, that we would seek you in everything that we do, that we would look in the right places in your word, and in in our time with you, and in the work that you've called us to do that we wouldn't busy ourselves with things that don't matter from an eternal perspective, and that we would give ourselves to the things that you've called us to give ourselves to. And then, and only then, will we truly find satisfaction. God, thank you for your gift. May we give ourselves to you completely in response. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?